Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rohrkraut. And today, we are going to be going through a pretty long list of movies that are supposed to come out this year in 2021. I'm very excited about this, but I know this might seem like a turn from our preview from last episode, where we said we would be talking about this year's animated awards predictions that will be coming back. Don't worry. It's actually some really exciting news. So stay tuned. But for today, I'm very excited to talk about, again, movies from 2020 (laughs) that we were supposed to get and then totally new movies and there are just so many we'll see how many we can get through in an hour oh my gosh i know we're just gonna talk about some fun facts from production what we're excited for but first just generally do you think that we will get back to theaters in 2021 I mean, in terms of normalcy, no. I don't think anything's happening this year. I'm really thinking of like, oh, when is Broadway going to come back as more of a marker than theaters opening because theaters are open across the country now in some form or capacity. But in terms of like having a normal box office, I don't think that's going to happen until next year. I agree. Sadly, I feel like 2022 will be the year for that. It's just crazy that we're already talking about 2022. (laughs) It's January. I know. I, yeah, I know. And I think some of these movies that we'll talk about, I'm so curious if they will end up getting pushed again to make mm-hmm. room for these 2020 movies that were supposed to be released last year, but got moved to this year. So let's start with those. And some of these have been a part of the 2020 awards conversation for a long time and got pushed just to later in the window of release. The first being Judas and the Black Messiah. I think this is one of the bigger ones that can stir up the awards conversation in terms of acting potential, directing, below the line even. So this is definitely one of the bigger ones. Directed by Shaka King. It had one of my favorite trailers of last year. And I think that Daniel Kaluuya might crash the Oscar party. So he's playing Fred Hampton. It's all about Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party. I think they're running him in supporting actor, so I think he could definitely be nominated, maybe even win. But that, of course, is sight unseen. It's just me knowing Daniel Kaluuya as an actor from other things like Get Out and Widows. So Mm -hmm. very excited for this one. The next potential Oscar hopeful we have is coming out the 19th of February, and that is The Mauritanian. This stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Jodie Foster, and Shailene Woodley. It's supposed to be this political, legal crime thriller, and it's based on a memoir that was written by a prisoner who was tortured while held without charges at Guantanamo for 14 years. Yeah, the story behind this is wild. I had heard it come up a lot in, again, awards predictions, not knowing anything about it. But I researched what it was based off of and the story briefly. And this could be really intense and really powerful. And the manuscript, as he was writing it in Guantanamo, had to go through military censors. The cover is cool because it's all blacked out and then it just has the title showing through. So I'm actually really excited for this one. I'm kind of surprised for that for you, but I'm excited too. I mean, I love a good political thriller. Yeah, and I think when they're done right, they're done really well. And just the mystery behind it and not knowing much about these movies adds Mm -hmm. to the hype. The other Oscar potential here that can provide a lot of upset is The United States versus Billie Holiday, a title that I know you don't like at all. (laughs) 
Well, because when I first saw the title change on Twitter, it was Lee Daniels, the United States versus Billie Holiday based on the novel. It was this very <laughs> long title. And I just thought, hey, come on, title management yeah, is such yeah. an important thing to get people to see your yeah. movie. This is slated for a February 26th release, just barely making the cut for the 2021 Oscars eligibility. You had briefly said it was directed by Lee Daniels. So I think that's where a lot of the prognosticating comes in is he is mm-hmm. such a big name, has been nominated before. So there's a lot of potential for some shakeup, picture director, cast, maybe even music. I'm curious if it will be like The Butler, though, where come Oscar morning, it gets nothing. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to like Globes and all of the precursors. But I think the big name here, too, that I've been reading about and hearing is Andra Day, who's playing Billie Holiday in what is essentially a biopic, always works with the Academy for the most part. So I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a nomination for this. Mm -hmm. And I think her being one of the big performers on New Year's Eve in Times Square, I think is, you know, they're ramping up, they're getting her out there. Mm -hmm. And this could definitely happen. Yeah. Another awards potential film for this year being released February 5th. It just got a trailer release called Malcolm and Marie. It stars Zendaya and John David Washington. This looks so intriguing. It's directed by Sam Levinson, who is the creator of Euphoria. So it's reuniting him and Zendaya, which is really exciting. I'm interested to see if this does bring Zendaya into the awards conversation into most likely best actress, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. which is already a tight race. But I mean, Emmy winning, Oscar nominated Zendaya, I am totally here for. Me too. That sounds great. And judging by the trailer, this looks really beautiful. Shot in black mm-hmm. and white. I'm very excited for it. People on Twitter have been complaining about the age difference. But I will say it's the conversation has solely been about Zendaya and not about John David Washington, which I'm not here for. So anyway, very excited to see it. Yeah, and it looks like they have good chemistry. So I think it's definitely going to be one to watch out for. Our next one that we have for 2020, this is outside of awards conversations, is The Many Saints of Newark, which is coming straight to HBO Max on March 12th. And this is the David Chase Sopranos prequel. We love The Sopranos. Love The Sopranos. So excited. How do you feel about this? (laughs) Again, I don't know too much. I know it's kind of like a throwback to when Tony is young. James Gandolfini's son is playing the young Tony. And I fully trust David Chase in anything he puts out. So I'm excited for this one and to be in that world again. It's been a while since I've seen The Sopranos. So, Me too. The one casting bit from this, in addition to James Gandolfini's son, that I found wild was that Vera Farmiga is playing Livia. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Right? (laughs) She going to hit somebody with a car again? Oh, my God. (laughs) I hope so. It's like my favorite scene ever. (laughs) But yeah, a scarier role for her than anything in The Conjuring. So (laughs) we also have one of my most anticipated movies from 2020 coming. No Time to Die will be on April 2nd. This is the latest installment in the Bond series. So Daniel Craig's last 
Bond movie. It was originally supposed to be February 2020, then got moved to April 2020, then November, now April 2021. And I have to say, I think it's going to get pushed again. I don't know why they keep trying to make this a spring release. I know they want to get it out there, but a Bond movie just seems like more of a fall release or a summer. Yeah. I don't know. So I know Mission Impossible 7 is supposed to come out in the fall too. And those to me are really similar types of movies. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're trying not to compete with that, especially because I think the last Mission Impossible was better than the last Bond. Mm -hmm. But who knows Mm -hmm. at this point? I just can't see us getting back into theaters in the way that they would want to by April. Yeah. And maybe this makes way for Billie Eilish for a 2022 Oscar, <laughs> which we were trying to avoid this year, but <laughs> it's still possible. I think it's coming. I mean, we had also said Taylor Swift might be in the running, and like, thankfully, by the end of last year, there were so many contenders for a song that it was not even a question. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll see. So the next film slated for release in April is a film called Bios. It's about a robot built to protect the life of his creator's dog, and his journey in learning about what it means to be human. I just... Well, the problem comes in because Tom Hanks is the biggest... <laughs> Your favorite. ...role in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, apocalyptic Tom Hanks saving the world. But is he the robot? Or is he the creator? Is he the dog? Like, I don't think where is he coming? <laughs> like a Tracy Letts French exit kind of way. Oh, that would be new for him. It wouldn't be a typecast in a way, although a dog is like man's best friend, aka Tom Hanks. But the other thing is that Zemeckis is producing this. So we're yeah. going to get some fun CGI, I'm sure. Which, yeah, this idea just totally fits his bill. Which is fine. The part that perplexes me so far kind of sounds like iRobot and I Am Legend, where you have Will Smith in this similar scenario, or what it sounds like. It's going to be directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who made Repo Men and also directed six episodes of Game of Thrones. And that's kind of where I get a little curious and confused because those two things to me don't mix. Also, don't mix with Tom Hanks. So that's what I was going to (laughs) say. I mean, I guess we probably could have said the same thing upon first learning the summary to News of the World of like this crazy wild, wild west with Tom Hanks. And it happened. So I'm not that excited for this, but I can't wait for you to see it and to hear your commentary about it. So our next one that we have, two coming out April 23rd. The first is A Quiet Place Part 2, which was our first delay of COVID. It was supposed to come out last spring and then got delayed. I have to say, one thing I'm very excited for with this one is that it's only 97 minutes. It's a great runtime. (laughs) And then the next one that we have is Last Night in Soho, which is directed by Edgar Wright, who did Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, Baby Driver. It's supposed to be this psychological horror movie which i'm very excited for it's about this woman who time travels back to the 1960s but it's apparently not what you would expect at all and i was kind of shocked to hear it was more of a horror film Mm -hmm. i guess it kind of fits with hot fuzz and the world's end it's like this dark comedy thriller so i'm hoping it's in that same realm but it stars anya taylor joy matt smith it's diana riggs last film and then fred and george weasley are back i can't wait This will be really fun, I think. And then in May, it's over. (laughs) We have Black Widow, our longest stretch without a Marvel movie. 18 months is sadly coming to an end. I wish I could have enjoyed it more. (laughs) 
So Disney is committed to a theatrical release, but we'll see what happens with that. Again, May feels still kind of soon for that. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll see if it'll have something similar to Mulan, Soul, where they'll end up just putting it on the platform but this did feel like the film they were kind of holding on to you know they let the other ones go to disney plus but this one seems to really Mm -hmm. be their golden egg of sorts on the best picture they were talking about how paramount had kind of let go of all these movies because they needed money so badly but they held on to top gun maverick and that's kind of like what it seems what marvel disney are doing here hoping for a huge box office once they bounce back but definitely not by may they're not going to see the returns that they're hoping for but i think based on other movies that have come out recently that have apparently done really well virtually that's probably what they can hope for so yeah i'm obviously you listeners know that i'm not (laughs) Totally waiting for this one. I am excited by Rachel Weiss and Florence Pugh being in here mm-hmm. and being a really like female-driven Marvel film. But besides that, it's like, okay, we're yeah. back. Well, and part of it is too, you just, it goes without saying that Marvel just will always have movies coming out. So it takes away a lot of the anticipation, I feel, in addition to it just not being a type of film that we enjoy that much. So two more movies here that were supposed to come out. In 2020, The Woman in the Window, it was an adaptation of a book, and it's written by Tracy Letts, which is exciting. It's kind of an oddly COVID-adjacent story. Amy Adams plays this woman with agoraphobia and sees this apartment across the way where she thinks a woman gets murdered by her husband. So she's kind of like solving this murder. And I read the book. It was Mm -hmm. a thrill ride. It's a good time. But the fact that she's stuck indoors, this is just like kind of too close to what we've all experienced the past year. Yeah, and it's kind of had a cursed production. It was shot and then they did test screenings and then it didn't do well. So they had to go back and re-edit it. And then because of that, it fell into this COVID schedule where Mm -hmm. it was delayed and delayed. I'm hoping it's good. The book is fun. If you haven't read it, it takes like a few days to read. Honestly, you fly right through it feels kind of like rear window but a little cheesier so Mm -hmm. i think people have fun with it i don't see it necessarily as having a ton of awards potential just based on the book to me this seems like a normal may release film like Mm pre-summer exciting and just like something fun we need for the year the next film was my most anticipated for 2020 just like Mm -hmm. so excited for summer and then i got pushed an entire year I think one of the first films to do so, and I was just, my heart fell. But this is In the Heights, which is Lin-Manuel Miranda's newest picture coming out. He's really busy for the next few years, at least. He has Disney's Encanto with a November release, and then Sony Animation's Vivo in June. He's also directing a film, which is in production now, called Tick, Tick, Boom, with Vanessa Hudgens and Andrew Garfield. But In the Heights is obviously a Broadway musical, and... And also had an amazing trailer when it Mm -hmm. first came out early last year. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. I know that we talked about it back on our anticipated for 2020 episode (laughs) a while ago. (laughs) I actually, I like the music from In the Heights better than Hamilton. So very, very excited for that. And I think this is really shaping up to be like the summer movie. I hope that we're in the place where we can see it over the summer. Yeah, me too. I have waited so long for this. And it's right before our birthdays, June 18th. Just a perfect birthday present. (laughs) Okay, so next we have Zola. This is coming out June 30th from A24. So Zola premiered at last Sundance. 
so early 2020, and it is based on this infamous 148-tweet-long Twitter thread about this woman, Zola. She meets this woman named Stephanie, and they go on this wild road trip adventure to Florida. I'm predicting now that this will be your favorite movie of 2021, (laughs) because just the look of it, it feels very, like, Uncut Gems meets Promising Young Woman meets Climax. Very specific brand of film and very A24. Yeah, and all of those things just check the boxes for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been excited about this before the teaser came out since the hype from Sundance last year. And once I learned A24 got it, I was just so happy. The next A24 movie that I'm actually really excited about. So the funny thing about some of these movies being transitioned into the next year, some of them I didn't really pay much attention to. I wasn't super excited for, but with their delayed releases and this prolonged media promotion timeline, I kind of got more intrigued by them. And one of those is The Green Knight slated for a late July release and Part of what got me so excited is that A24 tweeted in November of 2020, swords will be touched with a screenshot of their MPA R rating, which is partly due to graphic nudity. And it was like, wait, are we getting like a full frontal of Dev Patel? (laughs) And like Twitter exploded. This was Mm -hmm. amazing. I think we can count on it. (laughs) I'm here for it. (laughs) So... (laughs) I think the other part that, yes, like that is exciting and some things to look forward to, but also just the hype behind it, the fact that it's A24, it's really dark, like looks like it has moody lighting. I'm not big on period pieces, but I am excited for this one. I'm so big on period pieces, as everybody knows by now, but this one in particular, so we read this story in English, and it's actually really good. So I'm really excited for it, and for Dev Patel to be the lead, I saw the trailer and cannot wait for it, in addition to, obviously, everything that you just talked about. (laughs) One thing that's funny about A24 is their press and release strategy has been so different than every other studio. So instead of just kind of like kicking the ball down the field and like giving us all of these different markers that they then have to move, they just delay indefinitely and then come out with a date much later. So for a long time, everyone kept saying, where is the Green Knight? When is the Green Knight coming out? So I'm glad we finally have a date. Same with Zola. And just looking at the A24 upcoming release list on Wikipedia, like you said, a lot of them are, quote, TBA 2021, and then TBA indefinitely. But there are definitely like 15, 20 films on this list. So speaking of graphic nudity, our next one is Deep Water, which we've talked about, comes out August 13th. It's unfair that I say that because it hasn't yet received the I was going to say, rating. we don't know anything about it. <laughs> But what we do know is that it is... We're hoping. (laughs) You know, like, I would say, like, mid-August, maybe, we'll have, like, an Oscar Wilde After Dark podcast that'll just be The Great Night in Deep Water. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm here for it. We're hoping to do a book adaptation of Deep Water as well, so hopefully still doing that in August. But maybe A24 was talking about this movie with Ben Affleck and Jacob Elordi. You never know. (laughs) Swords will be touched. (laughs) I will drop dead. (laughs) Um, But 
It's an erratic thriller from Adrian Lyne, who did Fatal Attraction. It's where Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas met. So the last time we mm-hmm. talked about this, we didn't have all the Dunkin' Donuts pictures <laughs> with the coffee and them walking around in quarantine. The next movie is called Those Who Wish Me Dead, directed by Taylor Sheridan. And he's well known from directing and writing Wind River and then also writing Sicario, Hell or High Water. And he created Yellowstone, the series on Nat Geo, which is apparently a better succession. What? With Kevin Costner. Yeah, totally wild. So I, I know Yellowstone, but I, I haven't watched it, but I haven't heard that comparing it to succession, which makes me really curious about it. Maybe I'll watch it. So it's starring Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, Tyler Perry, Jake Weber, and John Bernthal. And it's adapted from a book by Michael Corita, who I have an interesting story. So when I was in middle school, he came to our high school. I guess I don't know why. He's from Bloomington, Indiana. But he came and gave this Q&A. And I ended up like writing a letter to him afterwards about like wanting to become an author and writing a book. Just very bizarre. I don't know if he responded or not or what I even wrote, but I'm very excited for this movie. And I actually have one of his first books that he might have been selling at the time. And it's a good book, I will say. So I am excited. And just the fact that Angelina is a part of this, I think Mm -hmm. that's a big deal. So... Had you heard anything about this before? No, I hadn't. One, that story is very, very cute. I'm just picturing you like (laughs) writing this letter to this author. It's so sweet. But I'm very excited that Angelina is back. And I did like Wind River a lot. Sicario, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I think this is really promising. It has a lot of potential. Besides the cast, a lot of great crew names behind it as well. So this was supposed to be in the awards conversation as well for the end of the year and could be pushed until late next year. We don't have a date on this specifically, so they could just keep pushing it kind of like Eternals. So we'll see. So these two, we've definitely mentioned before on the pod, probably multiple times, but the first one being Dune with an October 1st release, Crossing Our Fingers. Lots of drama here. So this was a part of the HBO Max grouping of films that got pushed and then Legendary Pictures either sued or pushed back. And they were like, no, we want this only in theaters. So TBD, hoping for a theatrical release here. I mean, this, of all the movies we've ever talked about, I think needs a theatrical release. Oh, yeah. I don't want to watch this at home. I also don't want to have to wait during that window where other people are going to be watching it at home and I have to wait for a theater to mm-hmm. see it so no selfishly spoilers. yeah no spoilers i don't want people live tweeting it i really just hope that denis gets his way and it goes to theaters so i was visiting a friend years ago when interstellar came out in dc and i went to the air and space museum and saw interstellar on imax mm-hmm. in the dome this is one of those experiences where i would also want to see this in the dome or at least on imax oh my god oh just we should do would that. would be incredible. It is the best place to see any kind of big movie like that. I saw Dunkirk there, First Man. When you need a movie to just be loud and you need just to be surrounded by the experience, yes, yeah. definitely IMAX at least. And especially when they're filming with IMAX equipment, mm-hmm. with film and camera, like that's more the reason to do that. So the next film is Halloween Kills. Again, one of my most anticipated after the the Halloween reboot came out in 2018. And then we have Halloween Ends coming out in 2022. I'm excited for that too. (laughs) Kyle Richards is in it and she'll finally stop talking about it. (laughs) 
So also on October 15th, we have The Last Duel, which I I think we've touched on briefly before, Mm -hmm. but directed by Ridley Scott, stars Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Jodie Comer. This sounds like a nightmare on paper. So the description here, a woman claims she's been raped by her husband's best friend, but when no one believes her accusation, her husband challenges his friend to a duel, the last legally what? sanctioned duel in the country's history. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Nightmare. That's, um, that's rough. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I will obviously go see this movie, considering it has some of my favorites in it, despite <laughs> the press photos that have come out with them in wigs. So that's the last duel. I had just mentioned this, but The Eternals is slated to come out on November 5th directed by Chloe Zhao, a pod favorite here. This is the only time you will hear me say I am excited to see a Marvel movie. (laughs) Maybe when Black Panther 2 comes out, we'll see. But I'm so excited for this. Another Angelina Jolie. Can't wait. (laughs) I'm also excited for this. We'll, I'm sure, have Ryan back on to talk about it when it comes out. Mm -hmm. So another Warner Brothers to HBO Max movie that I'm excited for comes out in November. It's called King Richard. And... It's a biopic where Will Smith is playing Richard Williams, a.k.a. (laughs) Venus and Serena Williams' dad, with a Prime Awards release date. Wow. Yeah, that could be great. I haven't heard about this one yet. I'm excited for it. So our last two here that are probably some of the biggest of the year is West Side Story with a December 10th release. Steven Spielberg picture, Ansel Elgort. It just needs to happen so we can stop talking about it. And it actually lines up with the 60th anniversary of the original movie musical release as well. Mm -hmm. So good timing on Spielberg's part for sure. Definitely. And that's why I don't think this one will get pushed. I think that this is like Spielberg's big Christmas release and having it line up with the anniversary works perfectly. I do still think this will be a big Oscar contender when the time comes. And I'm excited for it only because I love West Side Story, the original. So I'm excited to revisit that again. Rita Moreno will be back. I think we could maybe already call 2022 Golden Globe best comedy or musical winner West Side Story, potentially. We have a showdown in the Heights, too. We'll see. And then just briefly, The Matrix 4 is coming out at the very end of the year, December 22nd. I don't know what they're doing here, but this will be interesting. I mean, that world is just so well known and people love the Matrix films. It was just first a trilogy. So I don't know if this is like a Scream 4 situation. Oh, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, everyone came back, I think. So quickly, we'll touch on Sundance. We might revisit these at another time for an episode but land which has a january 31st premiere and then a focus release february 12th it's the directorial debut from robin wright i'm just so intrigued i would love to do either like a mini sundance episode or a full episode because they only have a week of premieres and it's usually a two-week festival Mm -hmm. so that's changed it's also mostly virtual, I believe. I don't even know if there is any in-person festival happening. But then I know you had mentioned before with, you know, are companies going to turn around, buy these films and release them before the close of the Oscar window at the end of February. And this is one of those. It's premiering the end of January. And within two weeks, Focus Features is releasing. That's and crazy. that's huge. Yeah. I mean, so that's just quick. big for Robin Wright. From seeing the trailer, it looks beautifully made. 
So we also have some hopefuls for Cannes. So hopefully the French Dispatch, which we've been very excited for, Wes Anderson's newest film. Our last Wes Anderson movie that we had was Isle of Dogs, which was stop motion again. This cast is probably the biggest of the year, and I'm very excited for this. I love Wes. The cinematography looks great. There was a trailer released early last year as well. The other one that we have is Annette, which I know we've talked about before. This is mm-hmm. Leo's Carrick's new film, and it's a musical with Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, which give this to me now, please. Yeah. <laughs> one of my most anticipated for over a year now, which is way too long. All right, so now let's get into some new films that haven't been delayed from 2020 that are just on the slate for 2021. The first one that we have is The Little Things, which is another Warner Brothers directly to HBO Max. This is coming at the end of January, so this month, the 29th, and Denzel is hunting down a serial killer played by Jared Leto. Please destroy him. Very excited for that. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of just, from the trailer, looks like every other character he's played, in a way. Not trying to belittle his acting abilities, but this also stars Rami Malek who's shaping up to have a big 2021 yeah yawn he's also the villain in no time to die so kind of why i'm not like really excited for that one either i wouldn't be surprised if in this movie if the director just makes him be the serial killer instead (laughs) of jared because it would make sense yeah so i just saw this one come up which kind of sounds bonkers to me but it's a Cinderella remake coming out February 5th, made by Columbia Pictures. So this is not a Disney release. It's by female writer-director Kay Cannon, who previously directed Blockers, which I liked. I love Blockers. <laughs> <laughs> but she also wrote on 30 Rock, wrote all of the Pitch Perfect films, and my holiday draft pick, Let It Snow. So this, <laughs> I think, is shaping up to be another fun movie. It's starring, as Cinderella, Camila Cabello, also starring Billy Porter, Idina Menzel, Minnie Driver, Pierce Brosnan, John Mulaney, and as a mouse, can you guess who might be in this cast? (laughs) Paul Walter Hauser? Close. You're never going to see this movie. Rami Malek? James Corden. No. (laughs) He's showing up everywhere nowadays. What is this movie? I have not I don't, heard I don't of this know. at all. I do not know why we need another Cinderella adaptation. We just had one a few years ago. And the superior one with Bernadette Peters and Brandy exists for everyone to watch. <laughs> okay, another wild movie. Totally can't wait for this. March 19th release. It's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It stars Pedro Pascal, Nicolas Cage, Tiffany Haddish, and dot, 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 Neil Patrick Harris, which is a total letdown, but I'm not going to let it ruin this movie. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read the IMDb description here and know that it's called a comedy. A cash-strapped Nicolas Cage, apparently as himself, agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire superfan's birthday party but is really an informant for the CIA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie. (laughs) And isn't part of this that Nicolas Cage has to revisit his past roles? Yes. Oh my God. I am so excited in a way that's like you can't look away from a train wreck. I can't wait to see this. If it's only an inkling like what he was in Mandy... 
I am going to love this movie so much. <laughs> Mandy was incredible. I recommend it so hard. Nicolas Cage at this point is just such a personality that I'm ready for this. I think this is mm-hmm. going to be so fun. I mean, also Tiffany Haddish being in it with him. Right? Oh, my just, God. This is bizarre. Well, you just watched Moonstruck, too. So you've mm-hmm. you've seen, like, young Nicolas Cage now and experienced yeah. what that's like. That was very unexpected. Yeah, right? But lovely. It's, totally different so now he's so just campy and just in his own it's like a caricature yeah he's like a guy fieri of actors that's like how i want to describe him but (laughs) it's probably unfair to him i mean he just he goes full force into these roles so he's doing what he wants and it's great so we have two more disney films also being released in summer. The first is Cruella with a May 28th release. Ryan, I guess you're going to be back quite a bit this year. Don't get too (laughs) excited. (laughs) But Emma Stone is playing a young Cruella. This is a prequel pick. Glenn Close is on as executive producer, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. But Paul Walter Hauser is back and that's where this conversation ends. (laughs) I'm excited that it's a prequel. I really don't love how Disney always feels the need to do origin stories, but... I think 80s London sounds really fun. And I love Emma Stone, so I'm excited for it. And then the next Disney film, amongst others we had mentioned on a previous pod, is called Luca, which is a mid-June release. It sounds like a (laughs) Disney meets Call Me By Your Name pick. Because it's about this young boy named Luca who meets a friend. It's in the Italian Riviera, which is so Call Me By Your Name. And all of the descriptions are like, he's going to have an unforgettable summer with his new best friend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think the friend is supposed to be a sea monster, though. Like, just secretly a sea monster. That doesn't help things. No. <laughs> Shape of water. I'm sure it's going to be a lovely film, but... Mm-hmm. Well, and it's called Luca, too, like Luca Guadagnino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are just too many parallels that we need a trailer to quiet all of the rumors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our next one that we have is definitely... My most anticipated release for 2021, made by my favorite director, my father, Paul Thomas Anderson. Right now it has a working title, which is Soggy Bottom. I really hope this is a working title and not the final title of the film. And I think we'll spend a lot of time, at least as much time as you'll allow me to have, on Paul Thomas Anderson and on this movie. But it stars Bradley Cooper, Cooper Hoffman, who is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, Benny Safdie... Alana Heim, very excited. That's great. Yeah. I would love to do a Paul Thomas Anderson retrospective. I've seen a lot of his movies, I think all but Heart Eight. Okay. But it's definitely something I would love to run through again and rewatch because it's been a few years since I've seen some of these. I'm so excited. And this is a 70s period drama in the San Fernando Valley. Just sign me up. And MGM bought it as part of their move to be a more a tour friendly studio, which I thought was especially funny thinking about our discussion about Louis B. Mayer weeks ago <laughs> in Mank. <laughs> and then my next one, so also MGM, Gucci, which is supposed to come out in November. I'm not really sure if this will happen just because if Ridley Scott also has The Last Duel coming out, I'm just not sure how that's going to work. But this movie is also just made for me. It has an insane cast. Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. I am, it's just like my family. I'm so excited. 
IMDb description here, the story of how Patrizia Reggiani, played by Lady Gaga, the ex-wife of Maurizio Gucci, who is Adam Driver, plotted to kill her husband, the grandson of renowned fashion designer Guccio Gucci. That's great. I'm sure it's going to be good. I hope it's like gaudy Italian. But that's also not really like a Ridley Scott picture. I guess in like an alien realm, it's kind of different. So still exciting. Our next film is Nightmare Alley, which is slated for December. Guillermo del Toro is helming this adaptation of a 1946 book. It stars another huge cast. We have a lot of these coming this year. Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Rooney Mara, oh my God. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, Mary Steenburgen, David Strathairn, Tim Blake Nelson, and more. Oh my God. Huge. It's about a manipulative carny who hooks up with an even more dangerous female psychologist. This just seems like total del Toro production design concept. Well, and Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett are like the two main characters. Like he's the carny and she's the psychologist, okay. which makes it even better to me. I was trying to guess who is who. That's great. I can't wait for that. I love this like dark carnival setting. And the original book was about sleazy showbiz. So this could go in so many directions. I feel like we're going to have a kind of sleazy movie year. I'm very excited for that. I think that's what we need in 2021. I'm I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, I was like, I liked calm, moody movies in 2021. I'm just going to you know, bring on the sleaze and the cheese and the camp. I'm only hoping this isn't like Crimson Peak, which was his Jessica Chastain period piece, which was fine. It was just a little disappointing. I liked Crimson Peak. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, it wasn't bad, but I think I wanted more. I wanted darker. I wanted like a full Mm -hmm. lean in. And I think he can here. So yeah, it's not top tier Del Toro for sure. But this, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I'm really, really hopeful that it'll be strong. Speaking of... The Tragedy of Macbeth, another A24 movie. I am so excited for this. It's directed by Joel Cohen. So not both Cohen brothers, oddly, just one. Mm-hmm. But it stars Denzel and Frances McDormand as Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. I can't stress like how important this is to me as someone who just loves Shakespeare and loves Macbeth. There are so many Macbeth adaptations, right? We have one by Wells. We have a Polanski one. And then just in the past five years, we had the one with Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard in 2015. And then the one with Florence Pugh in 2016. So there's so many. Yeah, so we do have quite a few adaptations, but this one is really interesting because, so on an Instagram Live, which is so funny, Joel Cohen and Frances McDormand, I guess, were talking about this adaptation, and one of the key elements being that Frances and Denzel are in their 60s playing these characters, who a lot of times when you see stage adaptations, they're much younger, so the element of them being older and never having children, so not having any heirs, makes it a different story about their power because they it's the only way they're going to get it is if he gets the throne. And he described it as a ticking clock thriller, which I love that as a way mm-hmm. to read Macbeth because I think that sometimes Shakespeare adaptations can get kind of stodgy and not really lean into the humor and 
the intense genre elements that the text presents. So I love that he's looking at it this way. And he also mentioned that he's filmed all of it on sound stages because he wanted it to look removed from reality, which is fascinating. Give it all of the awards. I'm so excited for this too. Having both of them as the leads, just such, such strong actors. And Mm -hmm. they could definitely pull this off. I think the rest of these don't have release dates. So hopefully sometime next year, we're going to get this film called The Lost Daughter, which will be Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. From all the backstory, I feel like it could be an awards contender. So it's an adaptation of Elena Ferrante's book, which was released before her really, really popular Neapolitan novels, these four Mm -hmm. books about these two Italian girls and their story about growing up and their friendship, really renowned in the literary world the past few years especially. But this film will star, once again, a huge cast, (laughs) Olivia Coleman, and then as her younger self, Jesse Buckley, Dakota Johnson, Ed Harris, Paul Mezcal, Peter Sarsgaard, (gasps) And Oliver Jackson Cohen, who is the villain in The Invisible Man. Wow. So lots of potential here, I believe. I wish Paul was in The Green Knight. Truly. I feel like he's going to be in a lot of movies the next like three or four years. Mm -hmm. So I'm ready for it. The IMDb description is a women's beach vacation takes a dark turn when she begins to confront the troubles of her past. That sounds great. And I know it's about like a similar friendship that she's confronting. So... I mean, Olivia Coleman. we have her in The Father. She won a couple years ago for The Favorite. So very strong. And Jesse Buckley from I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Just lots of potential here. Definitely. Another one that we have is Blonde, which you may have seen stills from. But this is going to be a Netflix movie directed by Andrew Dominic, who made The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. And it's adapted from a Joyce Carol Oates novel, but basically it's Ana de Armas playing Marilyn Monroe. I can imagine this will be another big awards contender. Mm-hmm. And pictures have come out of her dressed up and it's uncanny. It really is. She looks amazing. Maybe she'll take over Jennifer Hudson's seat next season. Oh, lots of biopic performances coming. That's mm-hmm. how you know we're back. <laughs> <laughs> The next film that we have is called 3,000 Years of Longing. It stars Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. Queen of Oscar Wilde, Tilda Swinton. Yes. And directed by George Miller, which is his first movie since Mad Max Fury Road. This is really exciting. But there's not much known about it yet. And I know they're making Furiosa, too, which is going to be a Mm -hmm. prequel with Anya Taylor-Joy. But this one, I think, is already in post. So that's good. So we'll have that in the meantime. And I will not complain about Idris and Tilda ever. (laughs) I mean, this kind of reminds me of the tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel and Francis. Another power duo. Seriously. Wow. Another one that we have is The Card Counter, which is Paul Schrader's follow-up to First Reformed. So he's directing this one. It stars Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, and Willem Dafoe, which that cast just makes me really excited. Tiffany's having a big year, too. She really is. And Oscar Isaac is a poker player in this. That's all I really know about it, but I'm excited for that. That's great. Not something I would expect to have Tiffany Haddish in a first Reformed director's film. I know. 
Paul Schrader has become, I mean, he's become an icon for his films, obviously, but his Facebook posts lately have been getting a lot of attention. He just goes on tears on Facebook about movies that he likes, things that he watches. So I'm excited for (laughs) him and Tiffany Haddish to work together. And I'm sure just the combination of their senses of humor will give us something great. Okay, our next film might be one of the most anticipated besides Dune, at least for me. It's called Don't Look Up, and it's directed by Adam McKay. Off the bat, are you excited for this, or are you not really looking forward? This will maybe come as a surprise, but I don't really care about this. It just Mm -hmm. is like one of those things where it already feels like a film Twitter like bomb and that might be because like adam mckay movies aren't my favorite so i already kind of think i know what's coming but i am excited for the cast the cast is huge okay yeah i knew you weren't really into mckay movies so Mm -hmm. i was seeing if this was different but it's about so he calls it a hard funny satire like mike judge who wrote beavis and butthead and office space which i understand why you aren't excited for that. It's about a pair of astronomers who try to warn everyone on Earth that a giant meteorite will destroy the planet in six months. <laughs> it has a speculated $75 million budget, which is huge. Like you mentioned, an insane cast. Yeah. It'll star Oscar winners Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Kate Blanchett, Oscar nominees Timothy Chalamet and Jonah Hill. Grammy winners Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi, and then other casts including Melanie Linsky, Tyler Perry, Matthew Perry, Unrelated, and Himesh Patel. Leo's first Netflix movie. I'll do anything for Meryl, as you know. Jennifer Lawrence, though, I just like her and Adam McKay. That just makes me nervous. Just given like how she is with David O. Russell, I feel like Adam McKay will treat her similarly with a type of role this is all just again i haven't seen this i don't even know much about her character but i'm a little worried with that that it'll lean too into that type of comedy that we see in every jennifer lawrence movie and i prefer her in the indie stuff like winter's bone the wig is terrifying i'm curious enough based on this cast though and seeing that wig and just the idea and thinking of her as probably one of these astronomers who are kind of frantically trying to tell people sounds very David O. Russell Silver Linings playbook to me too. Mm -hmm. The fun fact about this movie is that this could have been the second movie that Meryl Streep and Ariana Grande were together. (laughs) But Ariana Grande dropped out of the prom because of this movie. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Who was she going to be in the prom? I have no idea. Our next one that we have is The Northman, which is... Directed by Robert Eggers, who made The Witch and The Lighthouse, both A24 movies that I really like. And it takes place at the turn of the 10th century in Iceland. And Alexander Skarsgård plays a Nordic prince who wants to avenge his father's murder. I'm so ready for that. It also stars Bjork, Nicole Kidman, Willem Dafoe. Anya Taylor too, right? He's definitely become an auteur in what he makes, and I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm hoping this lives up to the hype. The minute that anything came out about this movie, everyone freaked out. And Mm -hmm. I know I'm not a huge fan of The Witch, but it was still new. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping this follows suit with that and The Lighthouse. Okay, the next one on our list, we're coming to the end. It's called Don't Worry, Darling. 
It is Olivia Wilde's directing follow-up after Booksmart, which is really exciting. And it's about an unhappy 1950s housewife, who I'm assuming is played by Florence Pugh. Mm -hmm. So pictures of this have come out with Florence and Harry Styles. And what was interesting is that Harry's character was originally played by Shia LaBeouf. Mm -hmm. And he was fired because of his poor behavior on set. And so Olivia said, nope, bye, and replaced him with Harry. Lo and behold, now we have them potentially dating. Yeah. I'm curious if the Olivia Wilde-Harry Styles relationship will be good press for the movie. Um, Booksmart Mm -hmm. was a wide release that didn't do very well as a wide release, actually. I mean, a lot of people did love it, but it didn't do that well at the box office. So I'm curious if the hype around their relationship will do wonders for them at the box office in a similar way I think that Deepwater will benefit from Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas's press tour during COVID. I really hope so. Olivia Wilde deserved better from Booksmart. Mm-hmm. I love that movie so much. I think I saw that in theaters two or three times and I judged people who didn't like it. It was just <laughs> such a fun time. I took a friend and he was like, that was fine. I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> So this also stars Kiki Lane, who we know from The Old Guard, but we know her better from If Beale Street Could Talk. She had actually replaced Dakota Johnson. It also is going to star Gemma Chan, Chris Pine, Nick Kroll, and Timothy Simmons. That's a good cast. Gemma Chan was really good, I thought, in Let Them All Talk, the Steven Soderbergh movie. So Mm -hmm. I think if she can do Steven Soderbergh, this Olivia Wilde movie will be a good fit for her. Yeah, and she's in The Eternals. I know we mentioned this before, so she's going to have a big year as well. Okay, and the last one that we have on our list is Maestro, which is directed by Bradley Cooper. I'm really excited for this. Another biopic. The only three people listed on IMDb at this point are Carrie Mulligan, Bradley Cooper, and Jeremy Strong. I have no complaints. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And this is his biopic about Leonard Bernstein the famous Mm -hmm. conductor and maybe Bradley Cooper will win his Oscar for playing a musician like he was supposed to for a star is born. It could happen. And Carrie Mulligan is just spreading the wealth with who she acts with. This is great. She is. And she's playing his wife in the movie. And so another period piece for Carrie, which is her zone, even though she's (laughs) great in promising young woman, she'll be amazing in this. I'm sure. So this doesn't Mm -hmm. have a date, but I can imagine it might get moved, especially considering how many Bradley Cooper movies we're going to have this year, since Nightmare Alley and the PTA movie will probably both come out. Just like Damien Chazelle's Babylon, which was supposed to be the Mm -hmm. end of this year, and then I think was recently pushed to December of 2022, which is crazy. So long. I'm really excited for that one. Well, it's starring Brad Pitt and then Margot Robbie, who replaced Emma Stone, which is fine, but a great duo. Yeah, it'll be really good. I'm excited for that. And it's like silent era Hollywood. So I think 2021 is going to be an exciting year in film. Judging by how we sounded today, I think that we are feeling a little frisky (laughs) and (laughs) ready for all of these movies that are coming in the year and, you know, that could potentially, of course, get moved to 2022. Definitely antsy from just watching so many movies at home. This is probably a slate that has never mirrored any kind of year slate before. Just very excited to get back there and kind of chaotic, but totally here for it. We've listed a bunch of movies here, but the list of all the movies coming out is just so overwhelming. We have 
festivals that haven't even announced yet. I think Soul was the only 2020 can hopeful that got released last year. So there are a lot of those that will probably come into this year. We have Sundance, like we mentioned earlier. So there's a lot to happen and I can't wait for how the year turns out. I know. It's going to be really, really fun. And we finally will get Dune and the French Dispatch and potentially a PTA movie and a movie from Joel Cohen. Like this is just, it's so much, so exciting. So can't wait. And once we get award season out of the way, all of these new awards movies, and once we're done in April, we can finally just enjoy the summer of the year. Hopefully Mm -hmm. some of the movies we mentioned don't get pushed. So we're bringing back to wrap up our episode, one of our past segments called On This Day in Oscar History. One of my favorite actresses ever, who's a little problematic, but that's okay. (laughs) She's a very important figure in my life and in Oscar history. Faye Dunaway turns 80 today. Faye Dunaway won her Oscar for Best Actress for Network, which we talked about on our Letterboxd episode as Mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies, but... She's also in Bonnie and Clyde, The Thomas Crown Affair, Chinatown, which is a wonderful movie, Three Days of the Condor, The Towering Inferno. She is just a massive icon in Hollywood history. And if you want to read about a life that is just full of adventure and some scandal here and there, look into Faye Dunaway. Including one of the biggest Oscar mix-ups in history, right? Yep, that was her. (laughs) Not directly her, but she was a part of it. She sure was with Warren Beatty from Bonnie and Clyde. So she always just makes herself known wherever she is. Wait, what about the Chinatown documentary? Is that coming out this year? I don't think so. The Big Goodbye. Yeah, we don't have a date on that yet, but I would imagine 2022. And then just with a few other actors, Humphrey Bogart, who won his only Oscar for the African Queen in 1951 had died on this day in 1957, not long after. Steven Soderbergh, who was born on this day in 1963, won his Oscar in 2001 for Traffic. He was also nominated for Aaron Brockovich and Sex, Lies, and Videotape. We love Steven Soderbergh, also producing the Oscars this year. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Are they going to happen? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Shelley Winters, who had died on this day in 2006 won two Oscars, one for The Diary of Anne Frank in 1960, and then also in a supporting role for A Patch of Blue in 1966. And then Jason Bateman was born on this day in 1969, well-known today, and also, sadly, Alan Rickman, who passed away in 2016. I still remember that one as being particularly hard. So rough, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So next time on Oscar Wilde, we will be doing another Oscar Rewind episode. This time, we'll be talking all about the 1987 Oscars and the Best Picture winner and nominees. So that year, The Last Emperor won Best Picture, and the other nominees included Broadcast News, Fatal Attraction, Hope and Glory, and Moonstruck. Some great names. I just watched Moonstruck for the first time this week, so I'm excited to watch these other movies and talk about them. Really a year at the Oscars I hadn't been too familiar with, and Mm -hmm. I'm excited we're kind of running through them now. Yeah, me too. A new decade for us, too. 
Well, thank you everyone for listening to our episode today about our most anticipated movies of the year. We will see you next week. Stay safe and wear your masks. You can find us on social media at Oscar Wilde Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and wear your masks.